Well, this afternoon we'll be reading from Lord's Day 38, and that's found on page 554 at the back of the Book of Praise. It's one question and answer for that Lord's Day dealing with the Fourth Commandment, asking what does God require in the Fourth Commandment? And it answers in this way, first, that the ministry of the gospel in the schools be maintained, and that especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit. And so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. After the preaching of God's word, we'll stand together to sing hymn 81. 81 stanzas 1 to 7. Our text and focus will be on, especially on uh, Luke 13, but seeing that in connection with the catechism and what it says with regard to the Lord's Day. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus came to heal. And that's why he was anointed as the Messiah. As we read in Luke 4, for example, it says there that he came to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's um, favor. But not everyone liked the healing, or loved actually, the healing of Christ's miracles, or miracles of nature, his healing miracles. They didn't like that, especially when it happened on the wrong day of the week. You know, the Dutch language has a way of expressing that, uh, if anything it's considered if anything is considered questionable to do on the Lord's day, one might object with the words op zondag. As if to say, why are you doing that on Sunday? It's the Lord's day. My father-in-law wasn't wasn't Dutch himself. He was Scots-Irish. He didn't know a lick of the the Dutch language himself, and yet being in a Dutch Reformed church, one phrase that he caught and knew very well was this one, opzondag. And he would often quote those words because he knew what they meant. And if you knew him a bit, you know that he was doing that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. While in a similar way, the ruler of the synagogue objected to Christ healing on the Sabbath day, the seventh day. Healing on that day? Well, that's, that's forbidden according to the Jewish rules. Everyone knows that. And it's like the Jews were watching Jesus help a crippled woman, gasping and covering their mouths and saying, Absondach? But Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And as we read in Hebrews 4, there remains therefore 
a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's now the Lord's day because it's on the first day of the week that Christ came from the dead. And the important thing for us to see here is that Christ has given it to us as a gift. It's a day of where we can rest, a day where we can worship, and it's also a day for mercy. Jesus didn't come to abolish the Sabbath, but to dig it out from under the mountain of legalism and to give it as a blessing and not as a burden. So the fourth commandment reveals how Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. Two points for this afternoon's message. First, it is a day of rest and worship. And then secondly, a day for mercy. So first of all, a day for rest and worship. Well, as this passage begins, it starts within the synagogue. Verse 11 says that there was a woman with a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully strengthen herself. We don't know who this woman was, but the fact that Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham would infer to us that she was genuine. Her name and history are hidden from us, but one thing we know is that Jesus was, was teaching on one of the synagogue, or in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day, and this woman was there. Sickness didn't keep her from there. In spite of her suffering and infirmity, she wasn't being tardy. She found her way to the place where the word of God was opened and where the people gathered. And she was blessed for that. She found her help. She found help where the Lord was. Truly, this was a day for rejoicing. Now, when the Lord came into the, this world, he gave his people the gift of one full day out of seven for worship and for rest. The Sabbath day is a, a creation ordinance uh, from the beginning of the world until the, the time of Christ's coming. There was one special day, the seventh day, when Israel would rest from their labors. And boys and girls, you remember that from the fourth commandment itself. It, it, it states, states exactly that and the reason for it, for the Lord for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, on the seventh day, he did what? He rested. Therefore, from the beginning until the time of Christ, the Sabbath had that purpose of resting from labor and gathering for worship. But from the resurrection of Jesus until the end of this world, or to the end of the world, that one special day has become the first day of the week. And we find in scripture that it is called the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. A day of rest from our regular work. Where we're able to take a break from our busy schedules. A day to recoup. God has blessed us with that. And it's also a day for worship. As our catechism so wonderfully places before us. That especially on this festive day of rest i diligently attend the assembly of god of god's people to learn what god's word teaches to participate in the sacraments to pray to the lord publicly and to bring christian offerings for the poor 
All this to say that this disabled woman was in the assembly of God's people for worship. What a a magnificent example she was to that synagogue. She knew how important this was for the state of her own soul. So she was there in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And what a blessing she received that day. Now this, this suffering lady's conduct may well put to shame many strong and healthy professing Christians. How many have strong bodies and minds and can allow for the, the lamest excuses for not coming into God's house? How many find religious services a weariness while they attend and feel relieved when they're over? You know, there's not that spirit of, of David who said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Yet where there's a will, there's a way. So let's never forget that our feelings about Sundays are the litmus test for the state of our own souls. The person who doesn't find pleasure in giving God one day a week is showing that he is unfit for heaven because heaven is nothing but an eternal Sabbath. Well, to state it more positively, this is a day for us to enjoy. Enjoying Sunday involves different things. Enjoyment means that we're able to let go of our ordinary routines, our concerns. This has to do with how we organize our free time outside of our regular jobs because we're concerned about our freedom in Christ. We're, we're, we can't be enslaved to our work or to our hobbies. If we do that, inevitably, Sunday worship will compete with hockey practices or sports. It will get in the way of music lessons and various social gatherings. Now, thankfully, it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way because we're concerned about enjoying the Lord. This is the Lord's day. A day for doing things we normally don't do, like coming to church, hearing God's word, praying together as families, singing, talking about what the Lord is doing in our lives. This is meant for our enjoyment in the Lord. And enjoyment also means that we enjoy other people. When the Sabbath was properly celebrated, it was, it was a, a case where everyone was equal. Everyone rested. Family members, slaves, work animals, and strangers who were living in the land of Canaan. The Lord didn't allow social and class differences to affect his day for celebration. And we shouldn't be creating work for ourselves and for others. You know, there may be that that pull for young people to do homework or to study for exams. But is that really enjoying the rest that is yours in Christ? 
And in the same way, it might be tempting to go to football games or skip church to watch, watch some big sporting event. Big games bring thousands of spectators. And unfortunately, many Christians may not see a problem with this because they think that the Sabbath is something that's applied to the Old Testament times and doesn't apply to today. And that does lead to a question of how we fill our Sunday. How do we spend the day? You know, do we become like the Pharisees and invent different rules? Or, we, or can we say for sure that we may not do this and may not do that on Sunday? Well, we've already said that since this is a day to celebrate the things of the Lord, if we're sincere about that, that will exclude putting other things on the calendar. We will want to spend Sundays as much as possible amongst brothers and sisters in the Lord. Sunday is a feast day that keeps us away from the company of those who don't celebrate the feast with us. And that's why it should almost come automatically that we don't want to celebrate the Lord's Day by not, by not mingling with those at the football stadium or at the shopping mall. Because by acting that way, we're not separating ourselves from the world. Now you might say, are we not allowed to do anything? Are we not allowed to do any kind of work? Of course we're allowed to work on this Sunday because without work the world couldn't survive. Some work is necessary. And Sunday can hardly be said to be a day of rest for everyone. You know, a police officer, a doctor, a nurse, all have that in common, providing care to others as works of mercy. Sunday is also the minister's busy day. Farmers have to look after their livestock. Greenhouse owners have to water their plants. And utility companies require effort from many people as well, including on Sunday. We would, we would have a very unsafe drive to church on Sundays if they were staying home. They decided to pull the plug. This, they maintain our safety. So people like this should do all the work that's necessary. You know, a farmer knows that he can't plow or harvest on the Lord's Day. A minister also makes a point of doing most of his preparations throughout the week, not on Sunday. Now, does that mean that we can't enjoy this day with any kind of recreation? And again, we have to remember the element of, of catching one's breath on the Sabbath. That will include stretching one's legs, relaxing a bit. Precisely how we use this element of pleasure is going to involve some sanctified judgment. It's going to require some Christian liberty. We may not prescribe uniformity, but our motto should be that the Lord's Day exists for the glory of God and for the joy of his people. It's a day to maintain our rest for our enjoyment and for our pleasure. How could we avoid the wonderful blessing of the fourth commandment by closing our eyes to the Lord's day? As the Lord of the Sabbath, Christ has given us this rest and as one who spoke with authority on the Sabbath, he wants us to rest in it.
Well, it brings us to what we see here secondly. This is also a day for mercy. Verse 12 says that when Jesus saw her, this woman, he called over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And it goes on to say that he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Here we see the, the compassion of Christ as he performed this healing. We are living in an abnormal world where disability has become the norm. Where disabilities are looked upon as this is the way it is. This is just the way it is. This woman was crippled. But Jesus had compassion on her suffering. So he helped her overcome the infirmity that she had been dealing with for 18 years. And Christ still has that kind of compassion on us. Even if it seems like no one else cares, he sees our needs. Even when we think that no one else knows our situation. He knows our troubles and our burdens, the struggles in our souls, the breakdown of close relationships, and whatever physical or mental limitations we might have. He sees us in all our troubles, and he has compassion on us. He has come to bring relief. So this... This miracle that Jesus performed for this crippled woman reveals to us what cures he will bring when he comes again. The day is coming when the blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the lame will walk again. Whatever physical weakness we may, we may suffer in this life, whatever diseases or disabilities we must go through, someday... Jesus will say to us, as he said to this woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he will give us perfect bodies that will be new and strong forever. That's why it's so sad, so shocking that this was met with stern criticism. The ruler of the synagogue was indignant for he had healed on the Sabbath day. Rather than sharing in the compassion of Christ, he had this callous indifference to someone who was in need. And part of this was due because it was breaking their law. Included, in, included with these laws, the Pharisees said it was possible or permissible rather to heal on the Sabbath only if it was a life or death matter. If someone was merely sick, well, the healing could wait until after the Sabbath. This very strict view, which on another occasion recorded in Luke 6, brought the Pharisees in sharp conflict with Jesus when he was in a synagogue and healed a man with a withered hand. Well, Jesus rebuked this. He rebuked the ruler and he rebuked others who were there with a, you hypocrites. 
the Lord of the Sabbath accused their hypocrisy. He pointed out that they were perfectly willing to care for their animals. That was perfectly true. According to rabbinical writings like the Mishnah, people could lead their animals on a Sabbath as long as they didn't carry anything on their back. Although they were allowed to hold a bucket for an animal to drink. They were allowed to draw water and pour it in the trough. They weren't allowed to hold the bucket for the animal. They had to put the water in the trough. The point is, if they cared about animals, even with their very strict rules, shouldn't they be caring for people? There was an inconsistency. Or as Jesus calls it, hypocrisy. This man's real problem was not primarily theological, Admittedly, it's true that his view of the fourth commandment was missing the point of the day, but it wasn't just that his theology was off. The deep problem was his hardened heart to the saving work of Jesus Christ. He thought of his own human traditions being more important than helping someone who was suffering. In defending his law, he was keeping people from grace. And we can be the same way. We can discriminate between the people we think deserve our help and those who do not. We, may, we can be tempted to ignore those who are struggling, pretending not to notice their need, even refusing to help people in serious need, including people with disabilities. It's easy, very, very easy to say, well, that's not my gift. I don't have the skills for that. Or to those who have some kind of trouble, it's easy to say they don't deserve, they don't deserve this. They've, they've put themselves in this situation. It's their problem. We may not always know what to do, and others may be better equipped to help them, but is your heart in the right place? How easy it is to come up with a spiritual-sounding excuse for not helping someone who is suffering. And yet how hard it is to offer sacrificial grace to someone who is in need. And so consider how for us the, the Lord's Day can be an opportunity for showing mercy. Sunday shouldn't just be a day for physical rest. It shouldn't just be a day for a nap in the afternoon and to take it easy. No, it's a, it's a time to show mercy. An act of mercy comes by way of showing hospitality to one another. Showing hospitality is not just showing hospitality with our closest friends and relatives. You know, Sundays can sometimes be, be like that, where we just want to be with those who we have close acquaintance with, or just family. But it's a time where we're, where we're called to reach out to others who we maybe don't know as well, or don't, they don't know us as well, or perhaps a visitor from out of town, or to help someone who is in need. It's easy sometimes to stay with people we know best, and in that way, mercy can be very abstract. But then we miss the opportunities that are right before our eyes, just like the Pharisees did. 
Or consider how you as a church might have a, a regular outreach on Sunday between services or in the evening. Consider how you might begin a, a ministry to a nursing home, if that's something that you haven't been doing yet or hope maybe to do as soon as we get over this COVID time. Consider how you could start out a, a nursing home ministry. There are many of them in our area. Or consider how you might use your Sunday morning to visit a shut-in or perhaps have a, a, Bible, a home Bible study for neighbors who would not come to church but who might meet in your home to meet you and other Christians. Perhaps the Lord is calling you today to rethink your Sunday because he wants you to find your joy and your rest in him. This isn't just to be a day of rest and worship. It is to be a day for mercy, for showing mercy. Dr. Piper, the president of my alma mater, Greenville Seminary, had a, a challenge. He stated, everything we do on the Lord's Day should be measured by the question, does this promote the purpose of the day? Does this promote the purpose of the day? How about you? Do you make the Lord's Day a delight? Are you using this day to be renewed inwardly and spiritually? This isn't merely to be a family day. This is not just a time where we rest from our daily work. No, we're to put ourselves under the means of grace, in the midst of God's people, and in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. Amen.